because we want some recognition for the genocide that was on our people, on Roma and Sinti people. Um, we actually got our memorial 2012 and it's been like 70 years. Hi everyone, I'm Cam. I'm a senior and English major, a race, ethnicity, and migration studies minor, and I'm on the master's in teaching track. I'm from San Francisco, and I never shut up about it. I'll be talking about the Poraimos walking tour and what I learned from it. The tour was an opportunity for us to expand on the little bit of knowledge that we got in the Romani Fen archive. and. It helped us to see more of what the history being constructed at the archive looked like and what it meant to some younger folks. On this trip overall, I've learned to consider not just who's telling the history and where it came from, but also who it's for and exactly how it's turned into action. Although acknowledging the past is vital, I think we can sometimes get lost in it. At RAA, I learned to focus less on, you know, the evils of history and more on the people in front of me who are doing work to deal with present problems. On that note, my first memorable moment from the tour was when uh, both of the Esteras talked about the history and migration of the Roma and Sinti people. A lot of the history that they shared was new to me, but... The thing that surprised me most was that the stereotypes that are associated with the Roma people were all products of hardships that were pushed on them. We talk a lot in class about things that are obviously manifestations of white supremacy, but I think sometimes we forget the complete idiocy and lack of logic that holds the whole concept together. For example not allowing a group of people to settle anywhere for very long because they're being hunted and they have they have to move around because they're hated wherever they go they obviously can't settle down because of situations that are manufactured but then they're called nomadic people and stereotyped for that as people who never settle down which is absurd the same thing with the idea of them as people who don't work or who you know, by nature live in poverty, because that is, again, manufactured because of the fact that they legally weren't allowed to hold jobs. That these historical facts were taken as evidence that there was something biologically different about Roma people is, first of all, proof that racism makes you stupid, and second of all, it shows how powerful the project of reclaiming, you know, your history as a group can be. And actually, this connects with my next memorable moment, um, because you can imagine in a world where the Romani Fen archive didn't exist, and the Asteras had only known the one, you know, their knowledge of their history was limited to the one sentence in their textbook in school, that sentence which did use the Giesler, and they may not have known the origins of the stereotypes about Romani people. And, by the way, they mentioned that their classmates do still, like, talk about and use those stereotypes. But you can imagine a world where, if that was the only history that either of the Asteras knew, 
that would that would also reflect on their perception of themselves but because they learn the history it lets them diffuse the stereotype it lets they can be explained and some of their power i think is taken away and i think in that process some space is also freed up for a racial identity formation that's empowering and doesn't come from a place of self-hate or not necessarily hate, but still filtering yourself through the stereotypes and expectations about your race or ethnicity is always going to be damaging. Um, and so I think that history helps take away some of the power that, that, that those stereotypes hold. So my second memorable moment was talking to the older tour guide about what learning Roma and Sinti history meant to her. And she talked about something similar to what a lot of the other activists we've talked with on this trip have expressed. She talked about both outward effort and inward effort. She said that learning more of this history has made her want to educate her classmates, and she's more aware of how Roma people are portrayed in media. But she also talked about how it made her feel better to have information about her history. Because, you know, not having the information, I kind of feel like I'm... What is my friend? Friend? Foreign? Yeah, like you're foreign to your, or, or to your own culture. Having the information that she got from the archive helped her feel less foreign. The fact that foreign was the word she picked, I think illustrates one of the fundamental problems we discussed in this class, which is how do you form an identity when you're assumed to not fit in the place that you're from? And for Estera, learning her history helped her make sense of her place in Germany. And it also caused her to want to work outside of her community in educating others. The last thing we talked about was how having a, having a dedicated monument gave her history a sense of place and connection to the past, and possibly most importantly, a place to mourn family members. For us that actually have... Um people of our family dying in the war and you know they were like their corpses are not there physically um it's a more sacred place for us I'm here with Eileen. She's a sophomore from Chaozhou, China, and she's an FGS major. Woo-woo. Um, I'm also here with Xander. He's from Boston, Massachusetts. He's a poli-sci major and a senior. While we were in the subway, Heidi brought up um, the idea that for the Sinti and Roma people, the history that we were learning in the archive and on our tour was a new history because so much of it had been not pursued or just ignored. As in the example in the archive, we learned of the woman who went 
trying to track down some records and was told that there was nothing relating to Sinti and Roma people, even though there obviously was, it just hadn't been identified and set away. So Heidi brought up the concept that their history was actively in the process of being created, which also explains why so many of the stories that we heard on the tour were the same as stories we heard on the archive. You can imagine the same names would continue to come up because there's so many people who are just now being discovered. You know, there isn't a whole pantheon of famous writers. There are, right now, just a couple of famous names because it's a history that is being produced. So my question was, assuming all of that, what do you think that this newness means for the people who are in the community? Um, I would say the newness is um, not um, historically new, but rather um, newly recognized. Mm -hmm. Um, and um, through the way that they're building their archive and collect, like uh, creating this collective memory through different perspectives uh, by different generations uh, of Sinti and Roma people, um, it's, I would say, rather a mean of uh, resistance to um, the oppression of like unfair representation that they've been facing. Um, so like, for example, the girl uh, who led our tour um, shared about um, how in their school where they learn history, there was only one line that talks about um, the history of the um, Sinti and Roma people being killed or uh, incarcerated. That is rather a history that is not being recognized or fairly represented. And through the means of that they're collecting this um, living body of knowledge as their archive, um, it's a form, I would say, of resistance, but also empowerment to um, bond their whole community and create such a space for them to um, continue to recognize um, their history. Yeah. Something that I, in some ways, hope comes out of that process um, is a more sort of genuine and honest um, history that uh, they haven't been afforded um, in Germany or in the rest of the world. And that I hope that um, organizations like Romani Femme have the ability to um, to get their work out and to um, get the sort of support they deserve, but also the recognition they deserve. And hopefully that results um, in a um, in an honest history that they get to write themselves, which I think is an interesting opportunity, although it's coming out of such terrible and extensive erasure. Um, that this new history, as you referred to it, um, is one that comes out of their own community rather than mm -hmm. uh, a more classic, like, white Western teaching and writing of history. Mm -hmm. um, so it's not exactly... Snaps, not a, snaps are happening. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, That's a good point. It's not exactly a positive thing that they are being forced now, or not forced, but having to, three generations later, 
um, write their own history, that it's been left out um, all of but one line in the German history books, that it's been left out to such an extent and erased and ignored to such an extent that it's this generation's responsibility to recreate that. But as we said before, I think there's also in theory some level of productivity around that, that this process is helping bring this community together um, and helping this young generation um, as, a, as a community to write their history. And so I don't want to make it seem like it's all this beautiful, positive process, but I think there is some beauty um, in this project, in this archive, and providing a, a space for um, Romani Senti people, especially from the feminist perspective, to be mm -hmm. able to um, to be able to write their history after after so many years and after such a lack of recognition. Yeah, I'm going to do the dangerous thing and make a comparison. <laughs> Um, because our reading talked a little bit about how there was a, um, a difference in, like, we can say the production of history between Black Germans and Roma people in that, you know, they were coming from sort of different histories that manifested in the present in a different way. The difference between, like, we know you based on stereotypes versus we don't even know you exist. And so I think that's interesting if you come at it from this, like, there is a deliberate erasure in history. We keep coming back to the textbook that only had one line, right? Like there's nothing there. So now your job is to create something new. Um, but a lot, of, a lot of that, I think what we've been talking about is like outward facing. And I think what we've learned is that a lot of the organizations or activists that we've been talking to here are way more focused on inward facing and like what their respective movements and efforts can do for their own community looking inward and less about like outward how they can educate mm -hmm. and I guess I'm thinking of how this push like we can say for recognition for history this like there was no book so she had to write a book mm -hmm. right if you picture that as like being the current moment about like production that the monument we looked at the fact that that's really recent also makes me feel like how much of that is outward facing and how much of that is inward facing hmm. because um, our tour guide was saying the the monument we ended up at was really really complicated because the the outward facing portion mm -hmm. is literally an outward facing portion right it's a memorial that discusses the history but it's also very complicated because it, it in trying to remind people of what happened it also uses the like g slur and yeah. so that makes it, in my mind, very concretely, not for the people it's about. That's the mm. outward-facing portion. And yeah. the inward portion, she did make it seem like it was very personal for her, but she also mm -hmm. generalized it to the community. She said, we don't have any, um, any bodies, any corpses. This is where yeah. you know, we would come to pay remembrance. And so I feel like that, yeah. I don't know, I think that, that monument in particular is evidence of the fact that this history building and consciousness raising mm -hmm. can get you both something that's useful inward for your community and outward. And then of course it's got all these flaws built into it. I don't know. I just feel like it was very complicated. A symbol of 
the end result of all that activism, what yeah. you get out of it. I think there also are, like you said, a lot of flaws built into it just because um, it's a, you know, a the German government's public space that I'm sure some, um, you know, Romani Senti groups had to either push or ask for a commemorative space, but then it's inherently a, a German-based um, public space, uh, uh, you know, government-mandated organization that's going to be um, sort of either providing the space for or overseeing the production of a, like a national-type monument. So that so I, I worry about what the restraints um, of having to create one's own monument within within a German con, uh, within a German sort of bureaucratic setup. What kind of um, problems that that creates in terms of um, I don't know exactly what the process of creating that monument was, but I'm sure a lot of German officials had to be dealt with. And had to be um, either coerced or gotten past in order to create that monument, and and so maybe some result of that might be um, the monument being outward facing in some ways. For example, in the way that uh, in, in some of the tour guides complained that they felt the um, especially outward facing portions that were supposed to tell the history of the. Mani Senti experience um, mm -hmm. during World War II lacked a lot of sort of genuine um, personality to them, that it was just this really crude, um, the Nazis did this and X number of people were killed or X number of people rounded up and it really lacked um, a actual uh, Romani Senti telling of these stories. Mm -hmm. um, right. And so I wonder what the dynamics of setting up that monument were um, and how that played into the lack of maybe personal experience that the uh, our tour guides had hoped for. Um, yeah. At the same time, she also mentioned that it's not a fair representation um, with the words that were uh, written on the wall uh, at the monument and um, how the meaning of the monument wasn't really well explained or right. rather not explained at all. Mm -hmm. For example, like the water means the tears and uh, the flower will change um, every day at 1 p.m., etc., etc. But uh, rather people, uh, tourists come in and they thought it's just a uh, lucky fountain. And they would, coins, yeah, right? toss coins. And um, to them quote what she says very disrespectful and so objective mm. yeah and i guess that just created a controversial aspect of how this fountain basically served like it's um a big part of their memory as like a um memorial for their community while it's not correctly represented the last thing I wanted to say about the monument was just to ask what you all thought um, of the fact that reparations uh, were translated as making it good again. 
I don't know if I don't know if you had any thoughts, but it struck me um, as being a much deeper implication than just yeah. our word reparations. Yeah. Um, so basically, like they give little money to the Sinti uh, and Roma people. Right. Yeah, to fix the trauma of like incarcerating and um, killing that they faced um, um, during the war and. Um, while the perpetrator goes on to live their life as like doctors, psychiatrists, and yeah. along with their discrimination and hatred still against the Sinti and Roma people. And um, I guess like firstly, this is definitely denial of history um, in the way that um, how I guess like placing into comparison of these two people goes on to live their life in such ways as like a really... Um, sarcastic like justification for um basically for the guilt of the perpetrator so paying like using money as a way Mm -hmm. to sort of close out the past enables like a inequality Mm -hmm. um i think maybe not as much that it enables an inequality but it doesn't do anything to actively address the inequality that led to um, the trauma and murder that would necessitate reparations. And um, on the tour, they referred to the need for a secondary wave of reparations that would address the dynamic of how um, so many Roma Senti people were uh, displaced or killed or parts of their family were killed mm-hmm. um, or entirely lost. And then they returned back, as you said, to or, or attempted to restart their life after all this trauma and realized as they were going about that process that the exact same people, the exact same Germans who had been police officers and doctors and the lawyers, the people sort of facilitating and orchestrating the the processes of the society they were living in mm-hmm. were the exact same Nazis as before. Right. And as we saw in the topography of Terror Museum, there were all of 12 German indictments and three actual sentences mm-hmm. um, that were leveled against uh, German, you know, very high-ranking officials. But the majority of the people who had been carrying out this um, this sort of institutional uh, racism against Romacenti people on the level of, of of doctors, city officials, policemen, that mm-hmm. sort of thing, were in the exact same positions as four. Right. And so although some very minor sort of financial reparations were made, mm-hmm. they explained that uh, nothing was done to to really address the institutional reproduction of racism and discrimination that uh, Roma Senti people were continuing to have to deal with yeah. directly after the war and as they were trying to rebuild their lives. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I think even the reparations themselves seemingly were very minimal, as we kind of touched on before, um, as a slight comparison to the uh the the jewish experience of the holocaust where a lot of the the 
pre-Holocaust and Holocaust stories were very similar, but then the post-war stories differed in a lot of ways, that um, the Jews were um, in a pretty fucked up way given Israel, and the Jews were given a large amount of sort of financial reparations, but because the Romacenti history was so ignored, and we talked about this museum in or not museum, but um, genetic center or labs that were created in 1936 to do right. all these experiments on Romacenti people. Um, and then they, as the war came to a close, burned all their documentation. And the sort of German government and public seemed to um, accept or continue the narrative that um, that Roma... Senti people hadn't been persecuted like this, hadn't been killed like this, and um, exiled and, and pushed out. And that, um, and that that's so problematic for the public recognition that Roma Senti people need, especially in this country, in order to be able to um, address uh, the continued sort of systematic discrimination that they've continued to experience. I think one of the, um, for me, one of the important um, examples of that was the way that anyone in the um, archive or activist community talking about these issues seems to have this general understanding that the number of people, the specific number of people killed, Romacenti people killed in the Holocaust was far, far higher than the sort of 500,000 flat that all of Germany seems to claim. Um, and I just thought that was a, such a concrete example of um, the lack of recognition that mm -hmm. a lot of documents were destroyed, that a lot of histories were erased, and um, and almost feels like gaslighting of the Roma Senti um, uh, experience. Mm -hmm. um, that there seems to be this communal understanding of this specific number that the Germans are just cutting off at a certain point and saying, nope, this is, this is all we did. Yeah. So I thought that was really interesting and spoke a lot to the dynamics of the continued institutional erasure and discrimination. Yeah. Which is crazy when considered in context of the fact that we started this by saying, it's a history that's still under construction. And the fact that, you know, you can say, no, 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 this is it, this is the number, we're cutting this off, everything above this, conjecture. And everyone's like, you don't even know, like, you know, you couldn't tell me where my grandmother's records are, so mm -hmm. let's be careful when you say you know this number. You know, it's, it's, it feels premature. You're right. Yeah. And also, like, it's also, I would say, disregard their efforts, how much they have, they have to put into, like, literally rebuild their broken community. And how much I'll say, um, like, um, it's like disregarding the importance of like giving like proper respects to addressing such a trauma mm. that they're experiencing. What do you guys think about the form of like giving um, Cynthia Roma use um, the time that they invest in like such a tour? Um, like, what's the meaning for their community for like having this form of like? learning experience that guided by their youth and also like um 
speaking from our experience on the tour, how does the user's perspective impact like our experiential aspects of the tour? Well, I think given the lack of recognized history, I think it's, it's maybe a good thing that they get the chance to um, represent their, uh, their people and their culture. Um, that's so lost. Um, not that, especially at 16, it should be, it should have to fall on their shoulders to, uh, especially to teach us as outsiders, as, mm -hmm. you know, as Americans, that they should have to take on this role. Um, but, but they are, and maybe, maybe that provides a level of agency, a level of, uh, um, of empowerment, even. Yeah, no, I asked, um, Estera, the older Estera, yeah. about that after the, after the tour. I asked what it felt like to be part of this, like, mm -hmm. history construction yeah. that was going on. Um, because I know, you know, she worked at the archive. Um, and, I mean, her answer was, her, her answer when I was asking about her feelings were mostly centered around her classmates, right? Which makes sense, because yeah, she's yeah. like 16. So, um, you know, she was talking about her experiences in history class and, you know, people's willingness to use the G slur and so on. Mm. Um, and so I think... You're right in the, I mean, whether or not that burden should be put on kids. I mean, it, I'm not sure. But I think for her in particular, I think that knowledge was really helpful. Because she talks about going out of her way to facilitate conversations with her classmates. Which yeah. makes sense. I mean, in a lot of the conversations about inward versus outward, right, right. Um, a lot of it, you know, a lot of the activists we've talked to were like, yeah, I used to face outward and then I got tired <laughs> and yeah. decided that I should have But I think a mm -hmm. lot of us start as outward facing, you know, when you first start to learn about inequalities, you're like, and mom, guess what? Guess what they're allowed to do, right? Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of outward, like, information sharing and just, like, trying to get people on board. I feel and like understanding it's... understanding those racialized dynamics. And I feel like because we were talking to kids, well, I don't want to say kids because they're almost our age, but... yeah you know, younger folks, the youth, mm -hmm. <laughs> um, that's sort of the space, that's sort of the space they were at, the sort of like eagerness to educate their classmates. Yeah. Um, but just the idea of us two 16 and 17 year old girls in 2019 having to basically take on the labor of German erasure from the 1930s into and 50s. And to be fair. Like, we didn't know any of that coming in either. Exactly, so we can't just yeah. say German. I think we have to, like, be honest that it's... Right. Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah, we should take I mean, because they started it. They, they, kept, they kept pulling those quizzes <laughs> where we... The only reason we weren't embarrassed by not knowing any of that was because we'd been at the archive that morning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, no, I think... Sorry, but continue with what you're saying. But it, was, it wasn't just German. I mean, right. The world's the world's. We just kind of, of forgot. Labor. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and also in turn, not to bring it back again to that inward outward conversation, but 
I know a lot of the sort of American activist community is really tired of addressing whiteness. Right. Um, and Heidi's spoken to that in some of her courses that I've heard as well, um, where so much of the conversations, um, even when it comes to the dynamics of NGOs, as we've talked about before, where you have to get either funding or approval for NGO status through the very, um, the very government and the very organizations that as activists you're sort of trying to fight against mm. and the problems that creates and, and having to structure your uh, recreation of history, structure your monuments, structure your narratives around um, around the, the white hegemony that you're trying to resist. Because I'm assuming that is frustrating for a lot of people to have to... Um, to have to deal with the the ignorance and so just what that experience might have been like or is like rather um, of uh, of addressing their own sort of community desires rather than the desire to teach outward in conclusion I wanted to ask you all what you feel like you learned from the tour that's the overarching question, so yeah, we can extrapolate all day. But what do you feel like you really took away? I feel like um, I was really inspired and impressed with the form of like um, having their, the Sinti Roma use um, guiding the tour and sharing all this information. And um, I guess um, more thinking about how um, taking from the form the way that they um, are using to create their collective knowledge of the community and mm -hmm. how that to me like plays into like a part of my cultural background how I can like um, see and learn from the, the way that they approach and injecting new energy into um, with different perspective into this collective archive mm. yeah. so in terms of and it relates to you yeah. personally what do you think I would say um, well, I guess um, the way that I learned about history or like growing up uh, from like this um, southern small town in China, that would never be the way that we learn or approach with history. It's mostly just like um, we're learning through textbook and like um, like the predominant um, perspective that is being given by the teacher rather than like explored by the youth. Yeah. Yeah, to yeah. approach and to like... Um, looking inwardly to see and those snaps. Yeah, approach. Yeah, so um, I was really impressed, and by the way that the form, like the tour, was um, developed and through all these young perspectives. Yeah. Mm -hmm. How about you? I think the biggest thing. So to away from it, or what stuck with me the most was um, the sheer lack of information, um, which we mentioned was noted through um, the sort of same few facts that were brought up um, that, once again, were slightly different, and, you know, especially the um, number of people killed, that was so different. Um, but yeah, just the, the sheer lack of, um, of, of uh, recorded or even um, 
verbal history available. Uh, and I think it just speaks to how utterly um, destroyed um, that community was and has been throughout so many periods of history. Mm-hmm. Um, and so just how important that then renders um, this process that they are undertaking, um, but also our role as members of the um, uh, maybe even more privileged Western world um, to uh, be conscious of that history, to help reteach that history, um, to make sure it isn't ignored. Um, and so that would be the big question, right? Like, and I won't, I won't generalize it. I'll just say, you know, when you talk about the obligation we have, what obligation do you feel following the tour? Um, easiest thing is the vocabulary around their right. groups. Right. Um, it's, uh, it seems it's almost a, a very new concept that the, the G word is, um, pejorative. Um, so, and I think something about re teaching that, um, gives really in some ways does change the narrative and, and, and gives, um, some level of, uh, of actual, of, of agency or identity to these, um, ethnic groups that for so long we've all just referred to as this pejorative term and, and rendered to mm-hmm. this stereotyped identity. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think in the effort to reconstruct that word, um, it, helps to in some ways express that um, there is this really complicated forgotten history that um, that is much deeper than the stereotypes of of criminal nomads that uh, we've uh, come to hear in our movies so that's that's it's important that I and we all do to, to help recreate this move forward. Okay. All right. Well, at least we learned something. Yeah. <laughs> Good job, squad.